Well, thank you, God. He is so good, so good. I've been speaking uh, for the last few weeks on uh, the subject of healing. And I just wanted to share another um, message today on what it is to walk in divine health and what it is to live in the healing touch of Jesus. Now, we've been going through, and if you haven't uh, uh, been here, you can have a look online and listen to some of our messages, some of the messages where we've really established as we've gone through scripture, the truth that the will of God is for us to walk in health. Hallelujah. He comes to save uh, and heal us. Hallelujah. We bless the Lord, oh our souls. Bless God, oh my soul. And forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all our iniquities. Who heals all our diseases. Hallelujah. We went through the, the scripture establishing clearly the desire of the Father is to release life and wholeness. Hallelujah. By his stripes. We are healed. It's purchased for us in the atonement. But we also know many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivers him from them all. Hallelujah. Sometimes we can get very arrogant about the whole subject of healing. And by arrogant, I mean we can start to assume that we understand more than we actually do. And that I see people, they've got all their theories as to why someone's sick. You must be, must have opened the door here. You must have done that. But the Bible tells me many are the afflictions of the, the righteous. So actually, you may be under attack or suffering sickness in your body simply because you're righteous. And the devil hates you. So I get, a, I get quite tired of... You know, an attitude in some churches where it's like that people don't even want to admit that they've got a problem because it might look like, I'm, well, I must have done something wrong and opened a door. That is religious nonsense that is designed to, to put this deceptive hood over people. God did not come to have you live in shame. He came to have you live free and whole. Hallelujah. If someone's sick, rather than going up to them and saying, well, you know, maybe it's because of this or maybe it's because of that, you have to say, you have to read your Bible. <laughs> read your Bible. Because the disciples tried that on Jesus. They said, who sinned that this man was born blind, Jesus? Well, they thought they had it figured out, you know. Bill Johnson teaches very well on that. He's saying that he, he said that um, there was such a stigma about people who were born blind, that they were under a curse in Jewish tradition. And, uh, and so the, the disciples were like, yes, well, you know, they must have done something wrong. Who sinned? Well, do you think it was his father or maybe it was his mother? Maybe he sinned in the womb because the guy was born blind. And they were trying to figure out what's the iniquity, what's the cause. And Jesus basically answered, Catherine paraphrased, it's not about any of that. It's about the fact that I'm here to heal him. And you know, when we get caught up in the why, why is this happening? We just end up in greater torment and we end up in judging things that we've got no business judging. But what we can focus on is the who. Who does God want to be to us in that situation? 
Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him from them all. As you say, not why God, why, when God, when, but who, who are you? He'll say, I am your deliverer. I am your healer. Hallelujah. So the wonderful blessing of God is he is our healer. I am the Lord that healeth thee. Hallelujah. Wonderful, wonderful Jesus. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Christ came to give us life and life more abundant. But you know, as we look at the Word of God, there's keys there to helping us fight the good fight of faith and really uh, lay hold of the blessing and the promise of God for us to be able to walk in divine health and, and healing. Hallelujah. I shared at the beginning uh, a quote from F.F. F. Bosworth that faith begins where the will of God is known. And when you know that it's the will of God for you to be well, that it's the will of God for you to be healed, then you can have faith. Hallelujah. And the, the scripture is so clear about the will of God. If you are sick, the Lord says, I am the Lord who heals you. I heal you of all your diseases. Uh, by my stripes you are healed. He told the disciples, when you go into a town, uh, heal the sick and tell them that the kingdom of God's come upon them because the kingdom of God... Is, is righteousness, peace, and joy. It is uh, life and life more abundant. There is no sickness. There is no sickness in heaven. Hallelujah. So he says, heal the sick and tell them that's what the kingdom looks like. Hallelujah. And so he's not going to tell you to heal the sick if it's not his will for the sick to be healed. So it's the will of God for healing. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's the will of God to heal. Hallelujah. I want to read you just a few scriptures as we just look at some of these keys for, for uh, enjoying and receiving the healing touch of Jesus. Hallelujah. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 7 says this. I'm going to read it actually from the new NLT. Don't be impressed with all your wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn your back on evil. Then you'll gain renewed health and vitality. Hallelujah. Righteousness. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Romans 14. It's not about food or drink. It's not about any of the things that you do. It is about righteousness, peace, and joy. And righteousness is a key to walking in divine health and vitality. Hallelujah. He says, fear the Lord, turn your back on evil, then you'll gain renewed health and vitality. Hallelujah. We can live and walk in divine health and embrace the kingdom of God by embracing the fullness of what the kingdom looks like. And the, and the first thing that it says is the kingdom of God is righteousness. Righteousness is something that he says we're blessed if we hunger and thirst after. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. Hallelujah. I get, I get excited actually when I suddenly recognize something that needs to change in my heart. I was um, only a few months ago, uh, someone pointed out to me, a close friend was just, just pointed out very gently that 
you know, often when I would be empathetic to people, say I'd be in a meeting and I'd be empathetic, and they'd be saying something about somebody else, and I'd nod my head empathetically in agreement to try and help them understand that, yeah, I understand that, I, I get that. But they pointed out that when I'm doing that, I'm actually betraying the person that they're talking about and actually telling them I'm agreeing with you about, you know, what you're criticizing them about. And I'd never seen that before. I thought, whoa, I do that actually habitually. Anybody else ever found themselves doing something like that? But I, instead of feeling condemned, I actually got really excited. I went, oh, wow, I'm so happy I've seen that. Because now I get to walk in greater levels of holiness. Hallelujah. I, because I want to be somebody that has such a way that when I talk to people, I can be empathetic without actually coming into agreement with their judgments about somebody else. Because I hunger and thirst after righteousness. I want to be more and more aware of the ways of God. One of the prayers that I love to pray is, teach me your ways. Show me your paths. Guide me in the way everlasting. Hallelujah. We need the Holy Spirit to be teaching us the paths of righteousness. Hallelujah. Righteousness, peace and joy. Righteousness is a gift and we know that. But we have a choice because we've been given a free will. Amen? And we have a choice every day with being made clean by the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Not by works, but by the great grace of God through faith in Him. We have been saved. We've been made clean. Hallelujah. The truth is that when you've received Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are born again, which means you no longer have an unrighteous nature. You have the nature of God on the inside. You're righteous. You're clean. You're holy. Hooray. And his blood has the power to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. I want to read another scripture to you here. Uh, and it's, it's to do with our conscience. Because I believe we need to maintain a tender conscience. We can get all our ducks in a row theologically. But if we're not walking in a humility with a tender conscience, we are actually deceiving ourselves. You can believe right and live wrong. And the Lord, because the Lord, when Adam and Eve were in the garden before they fell, they had a righteous nature. They did not have a sin nature before sin. They were created in the image of God, but they still had the capacity to sin because they, they were made in the image of God who has a free will. And you have a free will and you have a, a, the capacity and the power to choose what is right. Amen. But it says here in Proverbs 28, verse 13, He who covers his sin, he who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Happy is the man who is always reverent, but he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity. You know, I believe that there is power in recognizing when you've done something wrong. Now, I'm not talking about sin consciousness. Sin consciousness is living in condemnation, and it's just simply unbelief. Yeah, that's right. We're not called to live in unbelief. The just, the righteous, live by faith. Hallelujah. It means you actually have to embrace the power of God to believe that you've been forgiven. But when you feel guilty, guilt is not meant to be ignored or covered. Guilt and condemnation 
are not the same thing. Guilt is your opportunity to go, something doesn't feel right. And to recognize it, to discern good and evil and go, that's bad. Ah, sorry. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. That's not who I am. Thank you, Lord, for freedom. Hallelujah. Now, before you say that's Old Testament, let's have a look at James chapter 5, verse 16. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And then it says straight after that, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. It says something else about, you know, if you don't want your prayers hindered, be nice to your wife. I remember that somewhere else. That's why Tom's such an effective effective prayer warrior. Hallelujah. But there is so much connected to a clean conscience. The Lord wants us to walk with a humility. Now, it says here, confess your sins, your trespasses to one another, and pray for one another that you may be healed. I'm not talking about doing this as a religious thing where you have to go to confession, otherwise you won't be forgiven. That's not what I'm talking about. But my person, in my own personal life, I do this. I, I was just this week, I was talking to my friend Sheila in the US on Skype. And I, I was just talking to her about some of the things that were happening in my world. And, and then I said, Sheila, I just need to, I want to confess some of my sins to you. And she's used to me because she, she's my dear friend. And I would just, I'll just tell her, you know, I, I said this and I shouldn't have said that to that person. I did this, I had this thought, I was anxious about this. And I'd go through and i just... No, I'm not confessing everything I've ever done, but I was confessing the things that were on the top of my mind because it says here, confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. And as I did it, it helped me see, yes, yes, that's clear. And then she just said, and you know, God forgives you for that. You are forgiven. Hallelujah. You are set free. And I know that. I know that. But I tell you what, it's really healthy. When you have to humble yourself to somebody that you love and trust and say, hey, I did this wrong. I did this wrong and I recognize it. I'm not carrying it. It's not part of my identity. I'm not letting it weigh me down with guilt and condemnation. But I want to be accountable and say, I recognize that that has happened in my thinking. That happened in my speech this week. And I'm sorry, God. Hallelujah. Now, I may not have you know, that much excitement about the concept of confessing your sin to one another. But let me tell you the freedom and the joy that comes when you start to pursue righteousness, when you start to pursue living with a tender and a clean conscience. This is a, it's a touchy subject because people have misinterpreted this this scripture so often, and they've thought, well, you know, I haven't, uh, they worry about not confessing all their sins. And I spent years trying to confess everything I've ever done over and over and over again, just in case I didn't get it right. But I was actually living in unbelief. I can come before the Lord, and you don't have to panic and worry, I don't know if I remembered everything. God doesn't, God, that's not who God is. God has already paid for your sin before you even committed it. He said, it is finished. But we have the opportunity to come and exchange our unrighteousness, our sin, for his holiness. He wants us to walk with a tender conscience that recognizes, hey, that wasn't good. I'm sorry, Lord. Hallelujah. He, you don't go in and out of salvation. 
Oh, I sinned, therefore I'm separated from God again. That doesn't happen, hallelujah, when you are born again. But God allows you in your conscience, because you have the mind of Christ, to be having something going on that says, hey, 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 not cool, sin. It's called guilt. And it's healthy if you deal with it in a healthy way. If you cover it, you actually just start to get unhappy. But when you, when you bring it to the Lord and say, oh, that wasn't good, sorry. He goes, yes, I know that's not who you are. I've already forgiven you. Come here. Hallelujah. We know that because when we read about the prodigal son, the father was already kissing him and loving him and had forgiven him before he had even said anything. Jesus said to the woman who was caught in adultery that her sins were forgiven and she hadn't even acknowledged that she'd sinned. So we know that about God. Confessing our sins to one another is not to earn the right to be made righteous. It's so that we maintain a humble and a tender heart before the Lord. Amen? I'm preaching the truth here and I just want to help you. I've seen people who walk, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. And, and, and yes, you are. But if you aren't actually walking it out, you're being a hypocrite. Don't go telling me you're the righteousness of God in Christ if you're living and sleeping with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Don't say, I'm the righteousness of Christ, don't talk to me. You're like, oh, you're in pain and you don't even know it. Because if you are born again and you are walking in the habitual sin, the Lord inside of you is going, oh, this is not good for you. And you will not have peace. You'll be trying to cover over a guilty conscience. I'm the righteousness of God. I'm the righteousness of God. And he goes, yes, you are. Wake up and live like it. I hesitate sometimes to speak like this because I don't want people to fall back into a religious thinking that thinks, oh, you know, I'm I'm sinful. Hey, confess your sin. It takes two seconds. You don't have to pay for it with an extreme expression of repentance. I used to think that. I'd be like, I'd say a quick sorry when I recognized I did something wrong. Oh, sorry, God. But I'd think to myself, that deserves more than a sorry. I I really need, I'll do that properly when I get home. You know, with tears. But you know all that was? That was me saying that I don't have enough faith to believe that you could just forgive me like that. I feel like I somehow need to pay for it a little bit. And that is unbelief and pride because I have no capacity to pay for that. Hallelujah. Only Jesus does. I'm not going to put myself on the same level as Christ. Only he was worthy to pay for my sins. So I'm just going to humble myself and go, thanks. (laughs) Hallelujah. You're preaching good, Catherine. Hallelujah. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. The peace of God. Let me show you the kingdom of God. Remember we just said that when you go into a city, heal the sick, tell them that the kingdom's come upon them. Healing and the kingdom are inextricably linked. So peace is inextricably linked 
to healing. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 30. I love the Proverbs. A calm and undisturbed mind and heart are the life and health of the body. But envy, jealousy, and wrath are like rottenness of the bones. Peace is absolutely linked to walking in health. Hallelujah. Divine health. The Lord wants us not to live in turmoil. He wants to live us to live in perfect peace. Now, the perfect peace of God doesn't mean that everything is perfectly okay around you. The perfect peace of God is something that's supernatural. It means that you can have peace right in the midst of a storm. You can be like Jesus and have a sleep while the boat is just rocking wildly and the storms are going crazy. You can have a supernatural peace. And it's not a peace that's passive that says, okay, sarah, sarah, whatever will be, will be. It's a rest of faith that says, God's got this. God's got me. Hallelujah. It's an active rest in the reality of God's goodness. When we sing, you are good, good, we are not singing it because it's a nice way to fill in time. It's us actually engaging with the faith that we have in the very nature and character of who God is. Hallelujah. In the peace of God. And he wants us to have this peace that passes understanding. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. That means when things aren't going well, you can go, praise the Lord. <laughs> Emily, Emily Harland uh, is living with us and she made the comment. She says, every time something happens, something bad happens, you say, praise the Lord. <laughs> I didn't even realize I did it. But it's just, this is the, my antidote for fear and anxiety. I rejoice. Yay! Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I have nothing to be worried about because you are with me. And then he says, you don't actually have to cover that over and pretend like nothing's happening. He says, process it with me. Talk to me about it because I really care about you. Tell me all the stuff that's going on and I'll take care of every bit of it. Hallelujah. Don't just try and cope. You're not meant to cope. I'm coping, I'm coping, I'm coping. No, you're meant to have life and peace and joy, abundant life and life more abundant. And he doesn't want you coping with stress that's just eating you up from the inside. He wants you to bring it to him. My, my eldest daughter here, she is so sensitive to me. She knows, and I, I don't even have to say anything. She could walk into the room and say, what's wrong? Like, I don't even say anything. But she can feel it. She, can, she just knows. And the Lord is there. He is just like that. In that he, he knows when you've got stuff going on. And he's there going, are you going to talk about this or not? He's waiting to help you. He's your ever-present help in time of need. Hallelujah. And he wants you not to for one moment carry anything heavy. He says, I want to be your great hero. I want to be the one that takes your burdens. I don't want you to be anxious about anything. But in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, 
make your request known to me. And then what will happen? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. We are called to live in supernatural peace. We're not called to get caught up in judging what ours is, is not ours to judge. Some people, they live in anxiety and turmoil and drama when they don't even need to. They, they get, they're like trying to sort somebody else's life out. They're trying to judge somebody else and, and they're living with stress that there's not even their right to have anything to do with. We need to learn what's okay to think about and what's not. And it's very simple, actually. It tells us in the Bible what's okay to think about. It says it here, actually, in Philippians. Hallelujah. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is lovely, think on these things. Hallelujah. So if, a pro, if, a, if you're getting all caught up with the, oh, they shouldn't have done that, I actually find myself, when, when the enemy starts dragging me down one of those tracks, I verbally, when I'm alone, so people don't think I'm mad, I verbally just go, nah, because I have to stop it right there. Nah, we're not going to go there and change tracks. What's lovely? Oh, think about that lovely testimony. Beautiful Jesus. Or I'll think about something he spoke to me that morning or or something lovely that is done and ah but I actually have to physically when the when the battle's really fierce, I have to physically either say, Not going there, devil, or or I just out loud I say, No and I change tracks. We have to pursue peace. Peace is something that is an invitation, but you've actually got to deliberately pursue it and choose it. So I'm in the, in the bathroom uh, getting ready today, just doing my hair, and I start going down a track. I went, no, change tracks, hallelujah. And I realized this is, this is good. This is actually becoming a habit where I'm, I'm beginning to pick it up quicker. This is good. Instead of going down there and finding myself 10 minutes later feeling terrible, like, hang on, no, that's a yucky place to go. I'm not going there. I'm going to think on something. Pure and lovely. I'm going to give thanks to God that I've already lifted that situation up. So it's not mine to deal with. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. <sighs> we need to be mindful of what we're letting our thoughts do. You've been given the fruit of self-control. And the fruits of the Spirit actually already lives on the inside of you, not something you have to try to find. It, you actually already have it when you're a believer. You are already powerfully equipped to exercise self-control at any moment you want to because you're not doing it in your own strength. You're doing it in the strength of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you. So you have power to sort your soul out. It's your mind, will, and emotions. When your soul and your emotions are going, Rah! You have, to, you have to go, hang on, you are not the boss. Hey, soul, bless God. Let's think about something pure and lovely. Because you have been given power to exercise self-control. Hallelujah. Over your own thoughts and remind yourself you have the mind of Christ. Amen. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 22. 
A merry heart does good like medicine. Hallelujah. That means that the heart of the Father is for you not to live in anxiety and fear and worry and stress, but to live with a clean conscience, in supernatural rest, in his peace, seated with him in heavenly places, and enjoying his presence in which there is fullness, abundance, overwhelming and overflowing joy available to you. That joy which is supernatural strength. Hallelujah. It's also life and health to your mortal flesh. It is medicine better than the very best medicine you could buy. Joy. I mean, the world is starting to get to know this. In fact, in 2005, they did a, a they res, they researched the, the connection between laughter and health, and they've proven a long time after God said it <laughs> what Proverbs actually says. It says here a link between laughter and healthy function of blood vessels was first reported in 2005 by researchers at the University of Maryland Medical Center with the fact that laughter causes the dilation of the inner lining of blood vessels, the endothelium, and increases blood flow. Doctors Michael Miller, uh, University of Maryland, and William Fry from Stanford theorized that beta endorphin, like compounds released by the hypothalamus, activate receptors, receptors on the endothelial surface to release nitric oxide, therefore, thereby resulting in dilation of vessels. Other cardioprotective properties of nitric oxide include reduction of inflammation, decreased platelet aggregation. Laughter has, been proven has proven beneficial effects on various other aspects of biochemistry. It's been shown to lead to reductions in stress hormones such as cortisol and epinephrine. When laughing, the brain also releases endorphins that can release some physical pain. Relieve physical pain. Not release. Relieve. Endorphins relieve physical pain. Laughter also boosts the number of antibody-producing cells and enhances the effectiveness of T cells, leading to a stronger immune system. A 2000 study found that people with heart disease were 40% less likely to laugh and be able to recognize humor in a variety of situations compared to people of the same age without heart disease. Hallelujah. Basically, joy is good. It's good for your health. It does you good like medicine. And the Bible tells us that in his presence, there is fullness of joy. He says, Lift up your heads, O ye gates, that the King of glory may come him. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces are never covered with shame. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So the joy of God is actually something that is your portion and is available to you at any given moment. You can have a drink of the joy juice of heaven. In the midst of your enemies railing against you, the Bible says he lays a banqueting table before you. When, when you've got a whole lot of stuff going on, oh, I'm having a bad week, you go, well, why don't you go and eat from the table? <laughs> oh, you would not believe, Pastor Catherine, what my week's been like. I am under so much attack. 
Well, in the midst of your enemies, he's made a banqueting table for you and his banner over you is love. Hallelujah. There's peace for you in the midst of the storm. Just get up and eat. <laughs> Hallelujah. It means get up and do what he told you to do. Bring him every little anxious thought, then get happy and say, thank you, Jesus, and then let him kiss you. <sighs> I saw a little video this week um, of, of this little two little toddlers, and, and, and one toddler fell over and hurt their knee. And so the other one came along and bent down and kissed the knee, and then she was fine again. <laughs> and you know what? The kiss of heaven, the kiss of God is what takes away our pain. He's the one that releases joy to us. Hallelujah. When you've got something going on, you need to put the worship music on. You need to get in a posture that says, here I am, I need cuddles. My 15-year-old my son, who's now taller than me, but I remember when he was little, he'd do this, cuddles, mommy, cuddles. But the Bible says that unless you become like a little child, you can't enter into the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy. You can't get joy unless you humble yourself and go, Cuddles. <laughs> I love you, Joe. <laughs> Just your heart and melt. You go. You have these big blue eyes, and you'd be like, oh. It's oh. <laughs> uh, my handsome son right there. Hallelujah. <laughs> but you know that's what the Father is there for. He gave us fathers and mothers to give us a little picture of what He is like towards us. He's there going, I want to cuddle you. I want to kiss you. I want to take away all your owies. I want to take your pain. I want to refresh you and strengthen you. It requires a humility and a simple faith that says, Lord, thank you, God. I'm going to stop considering myself so wise in my own eyes because that's just not fun. I'm going to come back to a childlike faith that says, let's just live happy with righteousness, peace, and joy. Yes, in the world there are troubles, but thank God. Hey, soul, get happy because he's overcome the world. And the rules don't even apply to you. The natural rules of, I should be stressed, don't even apply to me because I have been bought with a price and I now live in the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah. <laughs> Father, we say thank you for your goodness. You know what? The heart of the Father is for us to live continually in his kingdom. Hallelujah. He wants us to walk in supernatural faith that doesn't just have faith in God as, as a Sunday thing. He wants it to be so real that our every thought, our everyday life, our coming and going is living out of this precious truth that he's given us in the word of God. 
The Bible says that his word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And we go, it's excellent, I know so much about it, fantastic, yes, and let's, let's have this theological discussion about this. When actually he wants you to be like a little child and say, I'm just going to have some happy, I want some joy, Jesus, thank you, I receive your love, I need peace, I thank you, oh God, I did something that was bad, sorry, thank you Lord for forgiveness, hallelujah. Now, you might not feel like you're very impressive, but I can tell you, that is what's going to attract people to the kingdom of God, because it's, that's the authentic. The authentic isn't self-righteousness and puffed up people who have got so much knowledge. The authentic kingdom of God that God wants to see established on the earth is the simplicity of people who actually live out righteousness by faith, peace in the Holy Ghost and supernatural joy that no longer looking to somebody else to try and get what they need but is saying such as I have give I thee hallelujah it'll be life to your flesh it'll help you live in a place that when you come under attack when your body comes under vicious attack from the enemy you can rise up and say thank you Father you've gone before me you've borne this in your body I can celebrate and say, thank you, Father. Thank you that I'm righteous and I'm clean. Lord, I bring this before you in heaven and say, thank you, Lord. Because of your righteousness, because you've made me clean, I can come and say, Lord, you have provided for me healing in your atonement. I receive it by faith. Thank you for wholeness. Thank you for life. You can walk in supernatural peace when the enemy wants to steal your peace. You can walk in supernatural joy when you're feeling depressed and discouraged. Hallelujah. And you can talk to other people and not feel like you have to be an island. You can confess your sin one to another and you can encourage each other. If someone comes to you and they start confessing sin to you, don't go, oh, don't worry about it. It wasn't very bad. Listen to them and say, okay, let's thank God that you've been forgiven. Hallelujah that he's forgotten and he's cleansed you. Hallelujah. Let's learn to be good friends to one another. Let's speak the truth in love. Hallelujah.